Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So just read it podcast. Back out to Smart. Fakes the pass all the time. Three. Bang! Gets Williams straight. Bobs it up to Robert Williams. Should he go? Jalen Brown. Tatum. Durant, the long reach. Tatum, crossover, pull-up jumper. Hello and welcome to the Celtics Reddit Podcast. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. The Celtics, they just won Summer League Game 2 in incredible fashion thanks to Matty Ice, Matty Ryan, joining us to talk all about it. A new voice, a new face, joining us for the first time. Squim Jim, welcome, sir. How you doing? I'm doing great, Ben. It's, uh, that was a heck of a finish. It was an insane game. I have um, like, and thank you, by the way, for joining us on on playback our uh, our live stream of the game there and warming up the vocal cords before we got started. But um, just a wild, wild game on all fronts. Like it was summer league for literally everyone involved, the broadcast team, players, uh, etc. Uh, and then that that Matty Ryan literal ankle breaker. Unfortunately, his own ankle finish um to to win the game um did you expect you know that much of an exhilarating performance out of a summer league game no that's that was that was a fun one and you know it's it's crazy sometimes summer league you're just focused on the players and you're not really interested in like necessarily always the outcome of the game but that one like i was you know, you got it. Just got heavily invested, and then, and then at the end, and the whole it was an entire roller coaster that fourth quarter with with Begaron taking over, and then just like the dunks and the threes and the and the the um, you know the different calls that that were made, and it was just it was good. It was good. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I got to apologize I, to you, Scream Jim. Like to anyone listening before we were recording, I was like, we won't talk about the game. We'll just talk about the performances. And then my first question was like, <laughs> how about the game? So there you go. But yeah, you're right. Like Begaron in the fourth quarter, taking over uh, with his amazing hair and um, you know pressing ability defensively and just pushing the ball on offense as well was uh, was really good to see. So all right, so t- two things tonight. First off, pretty simple. We're ranking the top five Celtic summer league performances so far. Uh, or performers, rather, not not performances uh, so far, and assigning them a roster making likeliness score out of ten, like as in how likely they are to make the fifteen man roster. Uh, then we're going to circle back on a recent Reddit post about what aspect of um, each Celtic rotation player's game do we want them to work on this off season. So, Squim Jim, we'll start with you. What's your number one ranked Celtic summer league performer so far um, 
this summer league season? I feel like it's got to be Matt Ryan, right? I yeah. <laughs> I just with he just feels like he's making everything. It there's there's nothing that's that's missing. Um, and I'm just you know you really hope that that everything's good. And, um, but and and then capping it off, you know, with with that last shot, I think <laughs> I think for me he's he's probably at the top right now. Yeah, we. Definitely spoiled as Celtics fans. Like, we just made the finals and then we get this incredible, like, bank shot game winner from, you know, one of last year's deep bench guys in Matt Ryan. Uh, yeah, I mean, certainly I had him in my top three. Um, but, you know, to be fair, I made this ranking about halfway through that game and didn't incorporate the incredible <laughs> winning there. But you know, seven for 12 in this game, good for 58% from the floor. Hit all his free throws um, and just generally looked like one of the more competent players out there. Um, can we talk about his roster likeliness score? And that's a working title, by the way. Apologies for that. Um, where, like, in your heart of hearts, Squim Jim, where do you see him there out of 10 likeliness to, to make the 15 man roster there? I, you know, I don't think. Because we have, let's see, we have. Three I believe more so. roster yes. spots, is that correct? Give or take one or that two. That we need to fill. <laughs> and, right. Oh, I don't, I would probably maybe like a. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I mean, he was on the team last year. He was present in a lot of the, not that this speaks to how you know, effective he could be on the team, but in any of the highlights of like the Celtics have won the Eastern Conference Finals, like there's Matty Ryan in the background celebrating. So maybe there's a chemistry component there. Um, but certainly as far as performances, he, he's been up there for the, the Celtics so far. I'll, uh, I'll swoop in with my number two. I want to say uh, Juan Begarin. I know I've completely butchered the uh, Begarin is, is what I, I should be shooting for. Um just particularly like you mentioned up the top there, Squim Jim, like the, the fourth quarter of this game where he, I don't want to say took over, but he absolutely asserted himself. And on both ends, he was forcing turnovers, a number of possessions where, you know, one of the Bucks players dribbled it off their knee or their foot or whatever, but it was clearly, you know, Begaron sort of steering them in that direction and forcing that turnover. And then offensively, just getting to the hoop and pushing the ball, setting other guys up. He had that ridiculous poster dunk like that huge huge posterization which was insane um i don't want to say dunk of the summer league because i haven't watched that many summer league games but like that was incredible um so is it fair to say we can slot him in there at, at number two i think he he'd be my number two as well but he i mean he, you know because going back to the first game too i think i think he did he did pretty well and then that fourth quarter i just felt like i wanted him to have the ball every you know, every time down the court, either him, him or, 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 or Ryan, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. They, they seem like the more reliable options and, you know, he's 19 years old. He is currently playing for Paris, Paris basketball, I believe is the name of the team, the basketball team that plays in Paris. Uh, do you, what do you see as more likely for him? Like, is, is he likely to make the 15 man roster? Is he likely to end up playing for Maine? And would that be better than him? Going back to Paris, which would be the other potential, you know, outcome. Yeah, we we talked about this on 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 get playback, and I, you know, 
I don't know. Like, I, I don't actually have an answer to this one. I don't know if he, it would be better in Paris or, or if he, he, he could make the team. I, I, I do think he might have a little bit higher chance of than um, Matt Ryan of making the team. I think, um, I think his defense is good. I think he can play, defend multiple positions. And so he, you know, I maybe making the roster, I could see maybe closer to, to a seven than the six. But as far as whether it'd be better for him to go back to Paris or, or do, do some stuff in Maine, I'm, I'm not sure. I think sometimes the players themselves, like they might want to go back overseas as opposed to um, play in the G League. Kind of like Yamadar last year. And I assume the money is better in France for for his role there than it is in the G League, which like again we were talking about this on the on the playback stream. But like some of those guys, you know, earn nothing and have to hold down day jobs and like get Greyhound buses across the country just to play games and and stuff like that. So yeah, um, yeah maybe Paris is the preferred outcome for for Bigarin, but um, he's certainly showing us enough that like. As fans, like we at least want to see more of him this season, right? And so, like the the tendency there is yeah. to want to see him at least in Maine, whether or not that's best for him right. personally. It's you know who's to say, other than the man himself. Right. But um, all right, so we're slotting him him in at number two there in our rankings and giving him a a roster likeliness score of seven. It sounds like so. Squim, I'll, I'll throw it to you to to throw out a, a universal uh, number third ranked summer league player. Who you got? Um, I think number three, I'd give it, I'd give it to, um, Cabangeli. I, I think that this one was a little bit harder, but I think he did a, I think he's done pretty well at defending. And I think he, like, I, the moments I've seen him, like, being able to just go straight up and vertical without fouling, um, in addition to being that lob threat, being that interior, like, I can, I can get an easy bucket for us if you get me open, kind of. Um, I think game one and game two, I think he was, other than probably Matt uh, Matt Ryan, I think he he was probably the most like consistent. Yeah, we, and uh, sorry to keep throwing back to the, the playback stream there. If anyone is wondering what we're talking about there, playback's a platform where we can all jump in a room and there's one universal screen that we all look at through our web browser, we could all watch the game together. And particularly for the first half of the game, we were so high on Fiondo Cabangeli, um, a, a name that I will continue to practice pronouncing. Uh, but, you know, we're looking for that additional big man, right, on this roster. So I think that really bumps up his roster likeliness score by default. Uh, and he does seem to have, you know, I don't, I don't want to call him a, a five-tool player, particularly because that's more of a baseball term. But he does have a lot of the tools of a modern big man, the ability to shoot from the outside, quite mobile defensively, um, seem to do quite well putting himself in that, uh, like J.D. Davison, who we'll get to, was doing a really good spot of penetrating and handing off to someone in the dunker spot. Cabin Gelly was doing a really good job of being the recipient on that kind of play um, and just seemed to have a, a pretty serviceable basketball IQ and has had cups of coffee with... I want to say the Clippers and maybe the Cavs as well. I think he went 27th overall in the 2019 draft too. So, you know, he's uh, he, he knows what he's doing. He, he has some sort of um, NBA acumen. And so he's, he's been an entertaining player to watch so far in the Summer League. Um, and a very 
I won't say very likely to make the roster because there's a lot of talk of um, Chinanu Anuaku as well, the um, notable under underarm underhand free throw shooter as well, who just won MVP in the Israeli league. Apparently, he's working out with the Celtics to maybe get that extra big man depth spot. But uh, yeah, Kevin Gelly, a lot of fun so far in summer league. Okay, so we've got our one, two, and three so far. Number four. J.D. Davison, I think, finally, the 53rd pick. We've got to throw him out there. And we, we talked about his ability to penetrate and, and to find looks, particularly around the bucket for other guys on the team. We seem to be spamming, and, and Spoonie was calling this out as we were watching the game, uh, running pick and rolls with uh, Davison as the ball handler and seeing what he was capable of creating out of that. And for the most part, I thought he showed some really good flashes um, in, in terms of that ability, which... You know, as your third, four-string point guard, like you just want one sort of notable skill, right, that you can bring them in for spot minutes in the regular season and, and have them run to some degree of success. And I think he maybe showed us, obviously, at Summer League, that he at least has the capability to to lean on that a little bit in spot minutes for the Celtics. What'd you, what have you thought about Davison so far for the Summer League? Yeah, I thought, I think he was, I, I could have put him at three or or four um but i think i was really impressed with the first game just his ability to control keep to kind of stay in control with his athleticism um he was a little bit out of control this past game this this last one against the bucks um there was just a few times where it almost felt like um kind of like what jalen brown does sometimes where he just like goes and then is like oh wait now what do I do yeah <laughs> um and I you know led to a couple of turnovers but I think he I would I would put him around there and you know he he is really good or he at least in these games he's been pretty good at like finding those you know penetrate and and then find the person that can you know whether it be um, Kevin Gelly or or a kick out or whatever. I think he's he's done he's done pretty well with that. Yeah, I like his tendency to find other players and not to try and take over. You know, from an individual perspective, you know, you can imagine being yeah. like he's not a first round pick, but like the way that fans I think perceive him is a little bit of a like a darling on the team, and that like he's our only pick, and therefore. There's probably yeah. a, a bit more focus on him than there would be typically of other second round picks in, in draft, um, you know, of, of the past, and therefore maybe a considerable uh, amount of additional pressure on him, at least from the fan base perspective. I like that he hasn't tried to sort of take over, and and he's more playing within the you know the boundaries of the game and and taking what's available to him and setting other guys up. So the other the other thing that I've liked with him is that. He does push the ball like it's yes. it's we're not he's not going to walk it up. He's going to get it and then go. And I think that's that's something that our team as a whole would do better to do. Yeah, I, I almost also forgot to assign him his uh, roster likeliness score. Out oh, of yeah. 10. Oh, what, what, what are you thinking there, Squim Jim? I think he's probably I mean, he's getting a two way spot, right? Correct. At the very least. Yes. I think the the challenge the challenge then is that he there's just five other guards you mm-hmm. know on the on the roster 
I have a feeling he might just stay the two way the 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 two way spot. But giving it a number, I'm not I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe with Matt Ryan, I I would probably still think he's probably even higher than Matt Ryan. But I but I think he's just going to end up with the two way spot. So yeah, I, so it's like a two um, or a three, right? Like pretty pretty. Yeah, unlikely. it's probably yeah, it's <laughs> probably actually low just because it's it'd be hard to find the roster spot for him when there are other things that we need like a wing or a big with the two-way though like you'd, you'd like to think we'll see him on at least on the bench for the celtics you know you know you, you don't wish for injuries with our sort of um starting or rotation caliber players but you know they do happen throughout the course of the regular season so you'd, you like to think there's like a like a taco for victory cigar style like pocket of two or three minutes a few games throughout the regular season where Davidson gets a bit of a run and gets some some NBA playing time. Um, what do we got? One more, right? Number five, uh, Squim yeah. Jim. Who's your fifth? I don't know. We're kind of running through this together, so it's a joint fifth right. ranked player. <laughs> but uh, who, who do you think uh, slots in at number five there? Let's see. I'm I'm trying to think of who. I got a couple um, of names I can throw at you. I've got I've got four names. Yeah, here. go ahead. Most throw, of throw them, me some names. Well, most of them are in my honorable mentions uh, tier. Okay. So <laughs> I guess the fifth name I'll throw out to you, and it, uh, maybe if you're listening, it seems weird that we haven't mentioned this guy yet. But Sam Hauser, slightly better in game two. Yeah. Obviously, he's roster likely in a score of ten, having literally made the roster already. Um, but- right. My my challenge with Hauser is that the first game he kind of wasn't. They are a whole. It, it kind of seemed a little non-existent. Totally. And then this game, he played. I don't even know if he, he didn't play much in the second half, or yeah. at least in the fourth quarter. I think he, he only got like assets. seventeen minutes or something. I think his. I mean, his his roster likelihood is a ten, so yes. he's going to be on the team. Yeah, it's it's so interesting though. Like watching a guy like Hauser try and be the guy, and it's like just. No, like the, you do not have that at, at any level. Like you do not have that in your repertoire. Like you, you are like the little fish that hooks on to the whale shark, you know, that like it requires in this, obviously in this analogy, Tatum is the whale shark. You, you need that to sustain yourself in this environment. And, uh, you know, to watch him without that, it's, it's, it can be tough at times. Yeah. I will say one thing that I like with Hauser is that I think he was, he did well, at least this past game with, with switching, there were a couple of moments where it almost looked like the defense broke down, but he knew where he was supposed to be. Um, and I think that is probably the most important piece for him. Mm-hmm. And so he, you know, it might not look great, but I, th- I think that there were moments that were promising from him in the fact that he could play in a switching defense and nowhere to be um and i think that's gonna be the biggest thing for him that and just making open shots which he kind of did more this past game yeah see i think like what you just called out the switching defensively like we're talking about the fifth best player on this summer league roster it has no first round picks on it i believe um the ability to switch well defensively, I think, is the sort of thing that we're looking for to like qualify you to make that that number five, that fifth rank spot. So, to me, yeah. ours is a safe bet. Um, I don't know. Do you want to lock yeah. that in, and we'll move on to some honorable mentions? Yeah, you could. We could. We could say Hazard. I think maybe Thomas too was another one who did an admirable job. I we could put Hauser at five. 
Yeah, I mean, Thomas, that's a good call out because, you know, he did sign that one-year deal with the Celtics last year. You know, it wasn't a two-way. It was a, a le- legitimate NBA contract, albeit one year and, and for, I believe, the minimum or, or less. Um, do you, I mean, just, do you want to throw out a roster likeliness score for him? Like, we are looking for wing depth, but he, he, he may be a little small and a little light to, to fill a position of need there for the Celtics. Yeah, um, for Broderick Thomas, I don't know. I think he might even be lower than than Matt Ryan. Yeah, um, and so three, four, something like that. Yeah, and I think he's a guy who's looking for like a a roster spot on an NBA team at this point in his career, and and trying to avoid the G League to the best of his ability. So. You know, it might be a mutual parting of ways there between Broderick Thomas and the Celtics, uh, but at the same time, like he's just looking for whatever paycheck he could get, right? Like he's just looking to be showcased and and seen by as many teams and front offices as possible. So I don't know yeah. if he's going to end up on the Celtics this year, but uh, we'll see. He was all right in this game, but not particularly good in uh, game one. Okay, honorable mentions. I'm going to throw two names out here and let me know, I guess, what was the, the more standout player particularly in the second game because one of these players only featured in the second game, Travion Williams and Justin Jackson, who must have signed on for the team like 15 minutes before tip. Um, who's the, who's <laughs> the most standout player for you there? Uh, well, of the two, pro- probably Travion Williams. I mean, just Justin Jackson, he just, like you said, we didn't even know he was going to be on the roster. And then he was, <laughs> and he, I mean, he, he made a, he made a couple shots. I think he did. I think he did fairly well. I think every time you watch Travion Williams, you just, you know, everyone talks about his passing and that's the, that's his, that's his bread and butter. And, you know, you, every, you know, the, but the main concern is his defense. Can he, can he not be <laughs> a traffic cone? And <laughs> I'm not sure if I saw that, you know, I'm not sure if I saw his ability to be able to play an NBA level defense and, so, yeah, uh, I think you're being whereas kind. I think, <laughs> like he, what's that? I think you're being kind. Like he really showed us that he can't, I think, play yeah. NBA caliber <laughs> defense. He, uh, yeah. A couple of times he was like positioned perfectly defensively and still gave up the bucket or the end one in a few cases, <laughs> which is such a shame because he has like this godlike passing ability, but it's just, you know, you need those supplemental skills like defense, yep. uh, even to play yep. in the G League. Like he just doesn't doesn't have that whereas i think justin jackson has that ability at least more so than travion williams at this point yeah absolutely i'm just looking up justin jackson on the on the box score like he he wasn't on the box score for like the first portion of this game <laughs> uh eh, two for eight right. um you know not a great shooting performance oh, yeah i didn't realize he shot i didn't i did not no, he shot eight shots. But yeah, but four uh, four rebounds. Sorry, two assists. Like uh, he seemed, and he hit. I think one timely three towards the end of the game. There, like he certainly wasn't terrible. But yep. the fact that we're sort of really scraping the bottom of the barrel here, I think it's a, it's a good sign that we should move on. So we've got our top five there. We've got a couple of honorable mentions. We're going to pivot completely now to finish up this podcast. The post from user twenty five degreed who says or asks rather. Uh, what's one area of improvement you want to see from each Celtic rotation player going into next season? And then to quickly throw to another Reddit comment as a, the top comment on that post by the Doc Thirty Three: All players should work on less turnovers. That means you do not jump with the ball in your hand unless you are already damn sure of where it's going. Um, 
which I think universally speaking, but you know, the whole team is is very fair. Um, Squim Jim, do you just want to run down the list, like starting with Tatum and then sort of going down an order of operations? Yeah. Tatum, I think, I think he's shown, at least for me, I think he's shown everything that he needs to show. There, are, he, he's shown the playmaking. Like he can do that. He in the past, he's shown that he can make his threes. He, you know, maybe the finishing, right? There's maybe the the, the finishing is is probably the one thing that he needs to add. But I think with Tatum, it's more just that you want him to be his career average self all the time, because if that happens, then, you know, last year, if he's just his career average self for the first half of the year, we don't dig a huge hole, right? We don't, we don't lose as many games. Um, We're probably a few games over 500 before we start our run instead of a few games under 500. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the finals, right? If he's just a career average Tatum, then, you know, that series looks completely different. And so I think that be, being able to be who he, who he's kind of become, but against the best defenses and doing it consistently. Because I think, I feel like he sh- he's shown everything he needs to show to be the best player on a championship team, right? Yep. And, like, yeah, he could probably do better at finishing, but I think it's just putting all the pieces he's cultivated and then just doing that consistently. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Just be yourself more often, more consistently, rather than, you know... From the fan perspective, like this roller coaster ride of like he's the MVP, he's in the top five, like yeah, Tatum MVP yeah. season. To like, can he lead a team, you know, into a deep playoff run, right. let alone the finals? And jumping, you know, up and down between those two things throughout the season. I guess like looking at that as an actionable task, it's like okay, don't play in the Olympics this off season, which is a moot point because there are no Olympics this off season. Um, like get rest, right? So that fatigue is less of a factor to your what will be a 25-year-old body by the time we hit the playoffs next year. So, yeah, to me, work on your game to a point where uh, you can start off the season in rhythm, you know, earlier on and then protect your body and preserve your body such that you can remain in rhythm the deeper we get into into the playoffs and the finals there, hopefully. Um, the the one thing I had was finishing at the rim, which you definitely touched on. The other thing would be, you know, we talk about this is a whole Popovich sort of mentality of like 0.5 second basketball, like catch the ball and you've got half a second to either shoot, drive or pass. There needs That needs to factor into Tatum complaining to the refs. And I'm not saying anything new here, but you're losing at least three multitudes of 0.5 seconds every time you complain to the ref rather than getting back on defense. And that's just such a actionable, fixable part of one's game. Like, you haven't gotten the call. Yeah. And, and again, I'm, I'm not going to harp on about it because I'm not saying anything new here, but like, just, just get back on defense, right? And I think this is something, like there are some players who I think don't always have the control over that, right? Like, like I'm thinking of like a Rashid Wallace or, you know, players <laughs> like, you know, or like a... Draymond Green but like with Tatum I feel like he has control over it I think there's an element to him of like 
I think there was an off season where he focused on trying to get more call, trying to get more foul calls, right? And I think complaining to the refs was just part of the strategy of trying to get more calls. Now this is more of a theory, but part of what goes into that is he got a bunch of technicals throughout the year, and then all of a sudden the playoffs come, and I don't did he even get a signal sig um a technical at all throughout the playoffs? Not that I can recall. And and that's why I think with him, he's like totally in control over it, mm-hmm. right? I think it's, there might be times where it is like a frustration thing, but I think there's, there might also be an element of, I'm trying to sell this. And I, you know, I know other players who have done this, got the call because they talked to the refs or complained to the refs or whatever, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think it's worked for him. Um, so, but I, but I, but like I said, I, I do think there is an element where he has probably a bit more control over it to be able to not, um, at least from like an emotional standpoint. And I guess to finish there, like the, the really positive takeaway is we're almost nitpicking, right? It's like be, be less tired so you can be more consistent and complain less, but like basketball wise, you're pretty solid. Jalen Brown, I had ball handling. Is there anything to add to that? I feel like it's a pretty simple, concise sort of off-season focus for him. I think with him, it's partially ball handling, but I think a lot of it, and it's on both sides of the ball, it's awareness. Like, where are other players? Where, Where, when I'm on defense, you know, where's the ball going? Where's my man going, right? When he's on offense, it's where are my teammates and where are the defenders? Mm-hmm. Because I think there are a lot of times where, yes, he loses his handle, but there are other times when he puts himself into a situation where he probably, like, if he was more aware of the players and where they were, it could have, like, the situation could have been avoided. And I, I think of, I think to, like, I don't remember which team we were playing, but it was in the playoffs and he's on a fast break and he just drives sprints to like the sideline and then jumps in the air and then turns around to try to pass it to someone, but nobody's there. He's just around a bunch of, um, of the opposing team. And then he throws it to the opposing team because nobody on our team is there. And I think there's, there's an element of handle and there's an element of like, where are my teammates and where are the defenders? Yeah. And, and it's on both sides of the ball. Because that's part of why sometimes Celtics fans get upset with his off-ball defense. Yeah, I mean, I, don't, I can't think of a similar or higher caliber player who gets like backdoor cut more often than Jalen Brown. It seems to yeah. always be the case where he just... It's just I don't know if it's part of his personality or you know just the way right. that he thinks about the game while he's in it, but he does seem to have these sort of mental lapses. Also, it was interesting what you mentioned, like his handle on on a surface level is like the main point of criticism, but him putting himself in position to have the ball you know stripped from him is probably more of a significant takeaway. And I would add to that, particularly against the Heat and the Bucks, where you know he would just drive into multiple defenders and. You know, no matter how good your handle is at that point, if you're driving into like three of the league's best defenders, which you know for the, particularly the Heat's 
starting lineup, you could easily say are all there on the court together. You're going to lose the ball, like no matter how good your handle is, no matter whether you're Jalen Brown or a Kyrie level ball handler. Like if you're putting yourself in those those situations, then you're going to lose the ball. So yeah, it's a it's a really interesting takeaway. Marcus Smart, I put catch and th- catch and shoot threes just in terms of his ability to supplement the Jays and to stretch the floor. Spacing was an issue for us throughout the season and and the postseason. Smart being you know, at least a respectable threat to knock down particularly non-corner three-point jump shots because he was all right operating out of the corner office there. To me, that's, you know, again, we're nitpicking because Smart was incredible as a defensive player of the year. His ability to finish off ball like that, I think, is is huge. What have you got on Marcus Smart? I don't have much more to add. Just maybe when he's off ball, more off ball movement, floater, I guess, just like other ways to finish he's he's another he's he's a little bit older so it's it's harder to know how much he's going to be able to add to his game but there are things like that just like you said the catch and shoot threes and potentially you know better finishing other ways to finish what about rob williams a little bit younger still a lot of upside what do you think he needs to add to his game this offseason i i think a lot of celtics fans want to see him get a jumper (laughs) right like be able to just even just like i'm on the side sideline and i just and you know i can be in the dunker spot or if that's getting taken away maybe i can step out take another step and be a threat from there as well to because sometimes some centers are actually able to defend both the drive and rob at the same time Mm -hmm. right but it it would be a little bit harder if he could take a couple steps back and hit like a, a mini mid, mid-range jumper. So what's the number, like first 10 games of the season, what's the number of like baseline jumper attempts that you're okay with Rob Williams, like, you know, putting up in the, that, those first 10 games? Like three per game? <laughs> yeah. And, and that, and that's the, that's the other hard thing is because, Rob just typically doesn't get a whole lot of shots anyways, right? And so, yeah, I don't know, three, two. And honestly, I I do feel that Rob's fine exactly the way that he is, like for what he brings to the team. I think he, you know, obviously you want him to be better. You, you want every player to be better. But I think in his role, he's just like, the best yeah <laughs> well not the best but but um he does fantastic in in his role and i it, the only other thing is health right just just be healthier yeah <laughs> we all need that on our off-season checklist um, yeah. <laughs> I, I had yeah conditioning really just like put yeah. your body in a position to you know um outside of any freak accidents or landing on someone's foot or a, or a matt ryan yeah ankle-breaking, game-winning, summer league shot, you know, outside of any freak events like that, just put yourself, your body in the best position to survive the off-season and, and be there ready for the postseason. Yeah, and it's interesting, like, yeah. Rob Williams, you know, he's not the best or whatever, like you said, but he certainly is the poster boy for his role. And just listening to off-season podcasts, Bill Simmons, uh, Zach Lowe, etc., yeah. they, they talk about, like, in roster building, oh, you, you need that defensive Roma who... You know, yeah. like, and they, they refer to it as the Rob Williams role, and he's like absolutely like the yeah. the reference point for like a, a a defensive anchor at this point, which is a huge testament to you know the impact that he's had 
on the game, really, overall, not just the Celtics. Um, yeah. We've got to move on here. Al Horford, I put post-game. I feel like they're in the playoffs, which is more deserving to recent memory. There are a few, like, we got to get a bucket possessions here where whether it was by design or just how it ended up late in the shot clock, we had Al Horford on the block posting up particularly smaller players. Uh, and there's a long list of people in the NBA who are smaller than Al Horford. I feel like we need a little bit more of that from Horford. I feel like he was pretty proficient in that kind of offense. What do you think? I think at this point, Al is who he is, and we're not going to necessarily get, like, I don't think there's a skill that he's going to necessarily develop. Um, he's not going to work think, out with the Kemalage one in the offseason and develop right, the first right. game. <laughs> um, I mean, there probably definitely are more opportunities to find him in the post, right? You know, it's it's not necessarily a matter of something that he's going to add to his game. Um, I do what I did like, and I and even though I say that, one thing that I feel like he added to his game coming back was rebounding, mm-hmm. and because he he wasn't always as good, he wasn't always this good at rebounding. He was always kind of like, you know, a, a great defensive center who maybe couldn't close out and you know close out the possession with the rebound but i i feel like he got when he came back he's just been so much better and so maybe he can you know maybe he can find a new skills in the post to to be able to exploit smaller defenders that certainly would help yeah and you made a really good point there it's like more about us finding him in that like he, you know he's a fully developed nba player at this point and just just putting him in that position to exhibit what is probably already a, a decent skill for him Derek white what are you hoping Derek White to come back with after this offseason? I think, I think it's just the shooting, yeah. right? If he's one hundred percent. If he's making making the open shots, then then we're great. Um, I think he's one of the one of the better off ball movers that we have in our main rotation. That that's important. But if he can't if he can't make the shot after moving around all over the place on offense, then <laughs> It's all it's all kind of for naught, right? Yeah, and just his you know his impact on spacing as well. Like, sorry to harp on about it, but you know you need to be a, somewhat of a threat to to knock down a shot in order to yeah. allow Tatum or Brown and whoever else to do what we expect them to do. If I was really really nitpicking, and this is probably taking it too far, but for him to increase his his sort of base of strength through deadlifts or however it's done, but we saw Derek White be picked on defensively because he was like the lowest common denominator, someone to pick on, like the the least defensively strong person. And a few times we saw him get bullied and and yeah. you know pushed down under the basket and scored on. So a secondary thing to improve on for him would be just to slightly increase the strength there. I don't know how possible that is throughout the course of one off season, but again, we're right. nitpicking. Um, Malcolm Brogdon, this could be a tough one because, you know, we didn't watch a lot of Pacers games in the last, you know, season or two. I put defense and not to say that he's a particularly bad defensive player, but if you think about something that he needs to now focus on this off season, it's like, how can I bring myself up to speed with what these guys are doing defensively? And there might, there may not be a physical component to that. It's just like, I need to, as a mindset, and learning the defensive system, bring myself up to speed with, with how these guys are operating. Well, what do you think about that? It could, I, I think another thing he could focus on was potentially, because this past year, his shooting was down a lot. Right. Bringing, you know, being able to be who he was before this year. 
I think injuries probably impacted that, but it's probably even more important that he's able to fit into the the defensive identity that we have, especially if we're hoping that he can be more of a playmaker, right? Obviously, we want him to provide scoring, but we're also here for him to be a playmaker to get other people going, then then it's, you know, maybe the fitting into that defensive identity is the more important piece. Yeah, and on one hand, I want to say the shooting, you know, now that he's not the focal point of the opposing team's defense, like, it's not going to be an issue, but we said that about Derek White, and he still couldn't shoot the yeah. ball for, for shit, so, you know, we'll see. Um, just finally, yeah. to, to wrap up, Grant Williams, maybe the, the bottom of the list of rotational players here. Some might argue we should have included Peyton Pritchard, but you know, whatever. Right. Grant Williams, right. I, put I put dribble drive, right. attacking closeouts and finishing like a, a counter move essentially to to be yeah. closed out on on in the corner office where he uh, operates. Yep. Uh, anything to add to that? No, I think that's good. I think um, I think I would. I think the I think with him, I think well. It's part of the issue with everyone um, and that we just need more movement. And Grant's one who were, when he's in here, there he's probably going to be in the corner, but how do we, waiting for you know that catch and shoot moment, but is there a way for us to use him and everyone, right? Everyone in more, in more, in, in more movement. And I don't know. I'm not entirely sure how to make that happen, but I think being able to do what he does while also moving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As far as how to make that happen, um, I guess it's above our pay grade. That's up to us. So yeah. much higher paid, <laughs> yeah. you know, Celtics coaching staffers, yeah. but get on that guys, make that happen. That's, that's what we want to see this off season. All right. Well, there you go like let us know if you're listening or watching the pod let us know your thoughts anything you want to add or subtract from that discussion particularly around you know either summer league rankings or things focal points for players individually this offseason that is going to do it for this one thank you so much for listening if you want to support the show be sure to like subscribe comment etc subscribe to our youtube channel which is growing uh, every day scrim jim first pod in the bag how are you feeling Oh, I'm feeling pretty good. It's, it was it was a good good experience. Thank you for having me on. That's great, right? You just hang out, and talk about the Celtics, and, uh, and yeah. record it. <laughs> Nothing easier. Yeah. No, it was great to have you. Thank you uh, so much for coming on, and looking forward to the next one. We will be back shortly after the next game. Just going to keep it rolling here throughout the off season. Until then, go Celtics. Peace.